Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. As we continue this morning, our, our every word theme, um, Matthew 4.4 says... I had a good time with that. It was funny. As we continue our 2022 Every Word theme, Matthew 4.4 says, People do not live by bread alone, but by... The mouth of God. Mateo 4.4 dice, la gente no vive solo de pan, sino de que sale de la boca de Dios. Hey. And our commitment this year is to read every word of God together in 2022. Nuestro compromiso es leer cada palabra de Dios juntos en el 2022. Whoa. Give yourselves a hand for that one. All right. Speaking of, speaking of reading every word together of our one-year daily Bible reading plan, right? We're all reading the one-year Bible together. By the way, if you didn't start reading the one-year Bible, go ahead and join us. Go ahead and get started um, if you'd like. And if you are reading through the one-year Bible, we are currently in the New Testament reading through the Gospel of... Luke, very good. Oh, I know who's reading your Bible. If you're reading the one-year Bible plan, we're currently reading through the Gospel of which means Luke, which means we just finished a few days ago the Gospel of Oh, very good. All right. Mark. We just finished the Gospel of Mark uh, not too many days ago. And actually, that's where we're going to be going today. We're going to be going to the very end of Mark for our message today since we just read it. And I just want to say before I jump into that, that um, if you want to grow in your walk with Jesus as a disciple of Jesus, I want to encourage you to do two things. Number one, I want to encourage you to get connected and committed in a discipleship group, okay? Discipleship groups are groups of disciples, right? And together we are growing as disciples of Jesus. If you're not part of a discipleship group, please visit us out there, um, either at the orange table or the info bar, and we'll give you um, more information about discipleship groups here where you can get connected. And I also want to encourage you, hey, every Sunday morning right before service at 1015, we gather in here to pray together. I want to encourage you to come and be a part of our uh, encounter prayer every Sunday. It'll help you grow. Yes? Anybody excited about growing? Good. All right. So, who in here likes new things? As soon as I asked that question, something popped in your mind, didn't it? 
Come on, who likes new things? What's something new that you like? New shoes? A new car? New what? A new shirt? New clothes? How about new youthfulness? Yeah. New energy. Who likes New Year's? Why do we like new things so much? Is new better? Hey. <laughs> yeah. New is not always better. For example, I don't want a new wife. All right? Just had to make sure you're all with me. New is not always better. New is not always better. But concerning what we're going to talk about today, new is definitely better. Come on, turn to somebody and say, new is better. Okay? Come on, turn to somebody else and say, new trumps old. Now, that, I, I hope you didn't mean that about their age. That's not what we're talking about. Okay? Like I said, not all new things are always better, but as we pivot to our, our Easter theme, Easter is victory, right? Today I want to take a brief look at how the victory of the cross makes everything new. Through the cross, Jesus made everything new. You know, the cross marks a whole new period in history, right? I mean, we even, in, in, in history, you know, we have before Christ came and, and afterwards, right? It, it marks a whole new season in victory, in, in history, excuse me. The cross is the beginning of a new testament, right? The New Testament, the Bible is divided between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that's all because of the cross. The cross is the victory that gives us a totally new relationship with God. Revelation 21.5, and the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything New. Man, I felt that. Behold, I am making everything new. I want to talk to you today about the victory of the new. The victory of the new. And as usual, if you'd like to follow along the, the outline of the message, you can through your Bible app. We'll grab an outline there. Uh, in the back, the victory of the new. Come on, say the victory of the new. And for that, we're going to go, like I said, we're going to go back a few days, what we were reading in the end of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, in fact, if you want to go ahead, we're going to be reading from Mark 14 and Mark 16. 
And what we're about to read, you're about to read again in just a few days in Luke 22, okay? So we're going to look at what we just read, and then in a few days, you're going to read it again in your daily Bible reading, cool? So Mark 14 and Mark 16, what we just read, and you're going to see it in Luke 22 here in just a few days. So let's go there. Come on, say, the victory of the new. You ready? Mark 14, 22, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my. Come on, if you're new here, when I pause, you say the word, all right? Take it, this is my. This is my blood, right? Which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I'll not drink wine again until the day I drink it. I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives, right? This is what we commonly refer to as the Lord's Supper or communion, right? And we know that this happened right before the crucifixion, right? And Jesus, this was basically his final discipleship meeting right before he was going to go to the cross. Yeah? Not long after this, he was arrested, beaten, stripped completely naked, and crucified in front of everyone to bear, to carry your sin and mine. The body and the blood of Jesus that the wine and the bread represented. Not many hours after that was the broken body and the blood of Jesus being spilled. I want you to say this with me. Come on, I want you to say this. Because of my sin. He was crucified. This is so important, not only for us, but as us. Later on, the word says we were crucified with Christ. Why? He didn't just do it for you. He did it as you, so you wouldn't have to. Then, after three days, after dying on the cross and being buried and fulfilling all the prof prophecies, being buried in a rich man's grave, right? On the third day, what happened? He rose, right? We're going to celebrate that 
all the time, but especially next Sunday, right? On Easter, Resurrection Sunday. But we know he rose from the grave because what the world saw as defeat, what the devil may have thought of as he had finally won, we know that the cross was actually the victory. He paid the price. He bore our sins. And he actually experienced death itself for us. Jesus, in a moment that looked like defeat, was actually winning our victory. We know that he rose. Why? Because he actually went. Why am I talking so slow? This isn't like normal for Pastor Hunter. Listen, I want you to see this. The Bible tells us he literally went to the sting of sin is death. And who had the power of death because of sin? Satan. And the Bible says that Jesus literally went and took the keys of death and hell from Satan. In other words, because of Jesus' authority, he stripped the devil of all authority. What gave the devil authority was our sin. But because he bore our sin, now he was able to go and take away the devil's authority. Are you following? The cross is not defeat. The cross is victory. Come on, say the cross is the victory. And then... He rose from the grave, and he didn't only rise from the grave, the grave, he began to appear. He began to show and to prove that he had won the victory. He appeared to his disciples. He appeared to many, proving that he had won the victory. And then, let's go to Mark 16. We're going to read verses 15 through 20. Jesus just before, we know that he didn't only rise from the grave, but now he is about to ascend back to the place of total authority in heaven. And just before he ascends back to the Father, it says he told them, go into all the world and do what? Preach the good news to everyone, right? Anyone who believes and is will be saved. Come on, say, believe and be baptized. Come on, turn to somebody and say, believe and be baptized. Turn to somebody else and say, you got to believe 
and then you got to be baptized. It turns around to somebody else and say, you first got to believe. But when you believe, you need to get baptized. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Come on, somebody. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Say, why are you condemning me? Ain't nobody condemning you. If I refuse to believe, my unbelief will condemn me. Every one of us is given the opportunity. If you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've been given the opportunity to believe. And if you refuse to believe, you'll be condemned. Nobody in this house, right? Nobody here in this word. Come on, say it. I believe. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Then it says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. They'll speak in new tongues or languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick, and they'll be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Come on, somebody. Say, he won the victory. He won our victory when he went to the cross. But then he ascended back to the Father, to the place of all authority. And now he's the name above all names, the only name by which we can be saved. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess that he is Lord. And by the way, he's coming back. Do you believe? Then be baptized. About 10 or, or, or so have made the decision to be baptized today. But I'm going to open it up. If you've believed, if you've truly believed, if you've repented of your sins, you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you can get wet today. We are ready for you. Say it was cold this morning. It's supposed to be 70 by the time we get out there. No worries. And the jacuzzi is heated. Bunch of spoiled American Christians. <laughs> I've baptized people in ice cold water before. It's very special. Look at what the next thing says. And the disciples, I want you to read it, went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many, what? This is the victory of the new. You want about to know about the victory of the new? Jesus came to make all things new. Today, the victory of the new. You know, he's made a lot of things new, but I want to focus today on four things that the cross has made new. Are you ready? The first one, if we look back to Mark 14, we see that just before he goes to the cross, he says, this is my body and this is my blood. And it confirms what? The, 
the covenant, all right, the first thing that is made new through the victory of the cross is a new covenant. Come on, say a new covenant. That is why precisely we take communion. In fact, we're going to take communion today at the end of service together before we go baptize, right? Because communion is the celebration of the new covenant. A new covenant. What is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement, right? A covenant is an unbreakable agreement, all right? And in the Bible, we see two covenants. The first covenant we call the Old Covenant. We find it all throughout the Old Testament. And another way to call the Old Covenant is the law, right? The law. The Old Covenant basically goes like this. Here's my law. You must fulfill it perfectly if you want to be acceptable to me. This is what God says. So the Old Covenant was based on our performance to fulfill his law. Did anyone ever do it? Only one. Only one. The old covenant is the law. It's performance. And it was impossible. Because it's based on what we can do. Oh, but the new covenant. The old covenant we call law. The new covenant we call grace. That's right. The new covenant we call grace because it's not based on what we can do. It's based on what he has done for us. And it is possible because the Bible talks about grace. And when it it talks about grace, it says he is actually working with his power in us to will and to do according to his pleasure. Grace literally gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases God. See, now it's not based on what we can do, on our performance, if we can earn acceptance with God. No, grace, the new covenant, is because he has already accepted us because of what Jesus did on the cross for us and in our place. If you want to try to live and obey the law... Buena suerte. Good luck. But I'm going with grace. I'm going with grace. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. I want you to get a picture of this. The God of the universe. Listen. The eternal word of God took on flesh. He took on a human body. He stepped into time. And he didn't know sin. In other words, he never sinned. He, he, He never experienced sin. Okay? But then God, when he went to the cross, literally made Jesus sin itself. So when Jesus was crucified, sin itself was crucified. Sin itself was judged. 
So now, rather than living under the angry judgment of God for sin, we live under the grace of God that offers forgiveness and redemption. I don't know about you, but I am so happy that Jesus paid the price for me. A price I couldn't pay. The covenant didn't start with us. It started with God. We sang about it this morning. We didn't choose him. He chose us. What an amazing God. What a wonderful God. Who while we were still sinners, Christ died in our place. This is the new covenant. The new agreement. Listen. The new agreement isn't based on what you can do. It's based on you accepting and embracing and walking in what he's already done for you. Come on, say grace. Jesus, I ask you the question, did, was it, did anyone ever fulfill the law? Only one. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law. Because it was a covenant. It had to be fulfilled. God fulfilled his part. Someone had to fulfill our part. It was an agreement. Are you with me? It was an agreement. I will accept you if you perfectly fulfill my law. No one was ever able to do it. So God himself came and took on a body and did it instead. The covenant had to be completed. It had to be fulfilled. The agreement had to be carried out. And since we couldn't, he did. He perfectly fulfilled the law. So he completed the old covenant so that the new covenant of grace could come into place. Now, when Jesus' body was broken and blood was spilled, when he was crucified for your sins and for mine, the old covenant wasn't canceled. It was completed. Period. Not crossed out. No, no. Period. Now the new. Come on, say new covenant. There is a new covenant. His body was broken. His blood was spilled to pay the price for our failure to fulfill the old covenant. He did what we couldn't do ourselves so that now we can enjoy a new right relationship with God. That's why we call it amazing grace. Right? It's truly amazing that God would love us that way and do that for us and in a few minutes we're going to celebrate we're going to celebrate the new covenant and if you have repented of your sins and surrendered your life to Jesus if you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord 
going to invite you to take communion in just a few minutes to celebrate the new covenant. And then we look at Mark 16, and we get the second new thing. The new covenant gives us a new life. It's a new life. And we celebrate the new life through water baptism. Baptism is a celebration that the old life is gone and a new life has come. Hold on just a second. I'll show you. Colossians 2.12 says this. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Not only crucified with Christ to be washed, to be forgiven, but buried with Christ. And with him, you were raised to what? New life. Come on, say new life. Because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Does anybody trust in the mighty power of God today? Come on, does anybody believe Jesus rose from the dead? He defeated death. He defeated sin and he defeated death. And he proved it when he rose from the grave. And when we repent of our sins, we come into that relationship where we're crucified with Christ. The price is paid. We're under a new covenant. And we come into that new covenant and we receive a brand new life. Christianity, listen is not a religion because religion is me trying to live my life in such a way that God will accept me. But that's not what Christianity is. True Christianity is that Jesus came and lived his perfect life and died a perfect sacrifice on the cross. And then he rose from the grave and because of that now I have a new life. It's not Christianity doesn't fix our old life. Christianity truly replaces and gives us a brand new life. That's what sets aside Jesus' followers from any other religious people in the world. We're not trying to fix our old life. That's why we baptize it. Bury that sucker. Too many Christians walking around trying to experience the new life and carrying around the old one. Come on, somebody. When somebody dies, what do we do with the body? Bury, Bury that thing. You were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life. See, that's why when we baptize, we don't sprinkle. First of all, the word baptize does not, has never, will never mean sprinkle. That's not even what it means. And I'm not, I'm not dissing anybody who was sprinkled as a child. If you were, praise the Lord. Glory. Hallelujah. Woo! All right. All right. Everybody with me? Not criticizing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Okay. Are you with me? But how many of us believe we ought to actually do what the Bible says and not what people have made up? Okay. The word baptize. Remember what, 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 what language the New Testament is in? Greek. The word baptize is Baptista, right? Okay? And you know what it means? Dunk. You know, like Dunkin' Donuts? Right? Dunk. Submerge. Immerse. To take under. 
Why? Because it's not just about cleansing, it's about burying. Okay? That's what baptism is about. I'm dead to my old life, so let's bury that thing. And it says we're raised to walk in new life, right? Raised to new life because we trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Come on, say, I'm dead to my old life. I'm alive to the new life. (laughs) That we call being born again. And it's all by the mighty power of God. You can't earn it. You can't make it happen. You just have to trust in the one who already did it all for you. And when we trust in the mighty power of God, we're born again. Come on, just ask somebody, are you born again? Uh-oh. Come on, ask them. No, but for real, ask, are you born again? Listen, I didn't say ask him, are you religious? Listen, I didn't, I didn't say ask him if you repeated a magic prayer at the end of a service and came to an altar. And even cried tears. Now that's fine. You can do that. That's fine. We do. That's part of it. Can be part of it. Okay. I got born again in my bedroom. That was my altar, y'all. Okay. I, I, I just surrendered my life to Jesus and put all my trust in him. And I can tell you that very moment, the old life was gone and a brand new life had begun. Water baptism is a public declaration that you have been born again. Listen, this is important. You don't have to be baptized to get born again. You need to be baptized because you got born again. Okay? Don't get baptized just because it's the right thing to do. Get baptized because you got a dead body to bury. Hello? An old life, right? Because now you have a new life. Yes? Maybe as I'm saying this, maybe some of you are understanding this for the first time. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you didn't come prepared. Well, we don't have extra clothes, but we do have extra towels. You'll make it. Many did come prepared to be baptized, but if you didn't come prepared and you realize, I need to be, for two reasons. One, you've been born again and you've never been baptized, and you today you want to go public about your decision to follow Jesus. Or two, you got baptized and you didn't even understand what you were doing. And today you understand, oh, it's not just I do it because that's what the Bible says. I mean, that's a good reason. (laughs) We want to do what the Bible says, but understanding you've been born again, you've repented of your sins, you've received a new life, and now because you've received a new life, we got to get rid of the old life. So today at the end of service, we're going to have testimonies, and we're going to have water baptisms. And if you came prepared, woohoo! If you didn't come prepared, that's okay. The sun is out. After communion, we're going to have baptisms. You guys, when we receive our new life, we also receive, number three, a new purpose. 
a new purpose. And that new purpose, we just read it in Mark 16, is to share the good news. Jesus commissioned us to proclaim. Listen, Jesus didn't just give us a new life. He commissioned us. He commanded us to go and proclaim this new life to everyone. To everyone. Because it is available to everyone. Did you know the gospel wasn't just for you? And it's not just for the select few. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It is not God's will for any to perish, but for all to repent. The gospel is for everyone. But how is everyone going to hear the gospel? From those who have received it. This new life, this new covenant is available to everyone. But the way everyone gets to find out about it is that those of us that have received this new life, we get to share it with others. This is my purpose. This is your purpose. Matthew 10, 7 and 8 says, go. Jesus said, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Has anyone received forgiveness? Did you pay for it? Has anyone been healed in your body? Did you pay anything for it? Has anyone been set free and been, set, been delivered? Did you pay for it? Has anyone received peace in your heart that doesn't even make any sense? Did you pay for it? Does anyone have joy that you can't even explain? That even when you go through the roughest moments, somehow the joy remains. Did you pay for it? No. That's grace. They're free gifts we have received because of Jesus. In Christ, through Christ. And Jesus just simply says, now our purpose is go and give it away. Don't you be charging nobody for forgiveness. Well, uh, just think about what I just said. People don't need to pay for your forgiveness. Did you pay for yours? Mm -mm, you just accepted it. Mm. Mm. We like to make people pay, though, don't we? Aren't you glad that God didn't make us pay? Listen, everybody take a deep breath. Let it out. This kind of takes the pressure off. What we've received 
was free. Now, it cost him everything. All it cost us was to receive it, to believe it, right? Why do we complicate it and make it so hard to share something with others that is free? What if they don't want it? Fine, it was free. I wasn't convincing you to buy anything anyway. Come on, I want you to be free today. Your purpose and my purpose for the rest of our days on the earth is to freely give away what's been given to us. Some will like it, some will not. So what? It was free. It wasn't about convincing anybody. We're not trying to market the gospel. We just want to give it away. Why are we giving free brunch to everybody next Sunday? Because we just want to give away the love, the kindness that we've received. I want you to just be free with your friends, with your family, with your neighbors, with your classmates, with your coworkers. Stop feeling pressured that you have to convince them almost to buy into this Jesus thing. No, honey. No, sir. Just go give away what's free. They can accept it or reject it just like we could accept it or reject it. It's free. Call 1-800-JESUS for a free gift and no shipping and handling. Well, I don't want to. You're lost. All I'm doing is offering you something free. Listen, you, I don't know if we get this. We have to give away the most valuable thing anyone could ever receive. And it's free. I don't know about you, this excites me to just go and give away the good news. All right? The good thing is, for our new life and for our new purpose, we actually also have a new power. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. Because he said, Mark 16, we just read it. Mark 14, we read about the new covenant. Mark 16, we read about the new life that we celebrate through baptism, right? We learned about our new purpose to give away the good news. But we also are promised a new power. He said that miraculous signs would go with us. And that as we live this new life, given to us, provided for us through the new covenant, and as we go and give away what we freely received, there's power to do that. Say, I've never laid my hands on someone and healed them. The problem isn't that you haven't healed them. The problem is you didn't lay your hands on them. Are, are you with me? So well, I've never casted out a demon. Have you tried? There's, there's power available. It's a new power. 
I don't know about you, but I'm just going to go with what Jesus said. I don't feel pressured to heal people. I don't feel pressured to cast any demons out. I certainly don't feel pressured to drink no poison. <laughs> or pick up no snake. But if I have to, I'm going to go with what Jesus said. Jesus said, if I believe, these signs will follow me. I'm not, I'm not following signs. They're going to follow me. Come on. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to make people get healed. I'm just doing what he said. Lay my hands on them. The healing should follow. Yeah? I can't perform miracles, can you? But I sure can ask for them and proclaim them and prophesy them. And they should follow. Because there's new power. And it's available. But it's only available if we believe. It only comes through if we believe. This new power we have is all available because now we have the Holy Spirit. We're not alone. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive what? Power. By the way, a power they did not have yet. A power they did not have yet. Jesus had just told them, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Jesus knew we needed power. You say, that was so simple today. Well, the gospel is, is simple gospel of Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus, is the victory of the new. We have a new covenant. Oh, thank God. I thank God. I'm not judged based on my performance. I'm judged based on Jesus' performance. Now, I, now because I love him and I am accepted by him, I want to do everything that pleases him. And that's what grace does. It actually enables us to. But I'm not saved and I'm not right with God because I can do everything right. But because in the new covenant, he already did everything right. And because of that new covenant, I have a new life. And in my new life, I have a new purpose to share it with everyone else. And I'm not alone and you're not alone. In this, we have new power. This is the victory of the new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a... A what? It's a new person. Not a fixed person. Not a reformed person. New. When I buy a new car, I don't go to the dealership and ask them to fix my old one. I trade it in. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to hear that today. Stop trying to live the new life in the old life. 
receive the new life. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, you got to belong to Christ now. This new life is not just available to whoever. It's available to whosoever calls on his name. Right? You've got to belong to Christ. But that means you're a new person. The old life, where is it? It's gone. It's gone. A new life has begun. This is the victory of the new. You guys, we've got to walk in the victory of the new. Come on, why don't you say it? I have a new covenant. I have a new life. I have a new purpose. And I have a new power. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.